Greetings to each one of you this morning. Always appreciate uh, being a part of this body, this fellowship. We can share together the, the life of the body, just hearing from one another and just uh, enjoying the presence of the Lord with us. I also pre- really appreciate uh, working with our pastor, Merlin. He's a man of the word, a man who loves the Lord passionately. And if I can be of any help to him at all, I'll, I want to do that. So I've been asked to share this morning, so I uh, want to be obedient in that. Uh, my subject this morning is forgiveness, uh, letting go of the past. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 15. As you're turning there, thinking more about forgiveness... Forgiveness is probably the most difficult thing that's required of us as followers of Jesus. I don't know how you find it, but that's for me. And, you know, life has a way of just bringing extremely painful, difficult things to us. One of the things that I struggle with a little bit uh, in this message is uh, fear that somebody this morning might think I'm pointing the finger, and I am not. You know how the saying goes, if you're pointing the finger, you've got three pointing back at yourself, right? So uh, we all struggle with this, with forgiveness, and I'm not, I have not arrived, but it, it's, we're in this uh, together. And yet forgiveness is at the very heart of the gospel, it is why Jesus went to the cross, and we've been thinking about, singing about uh, mercy, our need of mercy and grace and the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ, and that's really where we all are. We are all in need of the amazing grace of Jesus. So as we think about forgiveness and our own personal need of forgiving others, we first of all need to be thinking about how God has forgiven us. The first passage here, I'm going to be looking at about two passages uh, this morning. This first passage, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 15, Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray. Uh, And he talks there about, you know, just ahead of this a little bit, to to not pray like the hypocrites, not repeating yourself to be heard of men and and so forth. But then in verse 9 he says, uh, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Verse 12, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Some of your translations will have this. For for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Verse 14, for if you forgive men when they, trust, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's pretty clear, is it not? That's pretty straightforward. I want to focus especially now on this teaching of Jesus about forgiveness. Forgive us, verse 12 Looking back, uh, he says that we should pray this way, forgive us our debts, how? As we have forgiven those 
forgiven our debtors. So it's, it's very clear that, that somehow God's forgiveness of me, of us, is connected to my forgiveness of others who have hurt me. I've, I've really been thinking about this the last week here or so. Uh, why is that the case? Why is, my, why is God's forgiveness of me somehow connected to my forgiveness of those who have hurt me? That makes it really important, does it not? That makes forgiveness very, very, extremely important. And, that, and I, I, it really comes right down to the core of the gospel message. A man by a writer, uh, John R. Stott, said this, Once our eyes have been opened to see the enormity of our offense against God, the injuries which others have done to us appear by comparison extremely trifling. Did you get that? When we think about how we have offended a holy God, what others do against me is extremely trifling. Forgiveness, again, probably feels like the hardest thing that we, God ever asks us to do. It doesn't seem fair, right? Sometimes it seems completely unbearable. And there are situations, and I know there are situations here this morning, there are situations in the world today that are extremely, extremely painful. But if we call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, We must come to grips that Jesus does not make uh, forgiveness negotiable. It's not an option. We don't have an option about that amongst his disciples. So we need to understand, I think, first off, when it comes to forgiveness, that it is only by God's amazing grace that any one of us can be saved. You know, like, like Jesus, uh, we are to extend the grace that, that Jesus gave to us. We are to extend that grace toward those who hurt us. So Jesus has a lot more to say about forgiveness. And I want you to turn now, if you would, in your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 18. If you look ahead here, uh, well, I'm going to start reading in verse 21. But if you look at the section just a little bit ahead of this, uh, here you have, uh, my Bible calls this, when a brother sins against you. That whole section, Matthew 18 section. You know, what do you do when someone offends you within the body of Christ? Uh, and that happens sometimes, right? So what do we, how do we deal with that? We, we go and tell other people, right? Uh, no, it says, no, you go to that person directly and you talk to them and you work it out with them. And it has kind of a process there of what we are to do with offenses within the brotherhood. Uh, and how to keep the unity in the body of Christ. And the, these, these are principles that the church needs to put into practice. Uh, but I'd like to re- start reading now uh, verse 21 and 22. Then, after this teaching, uh, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times or 70 times seven. Uh, So Peter here, he's probably thinking, 
well, I'm, going to, I'm just going to really be extravagant, and I'm going to suggest that maybe we should forgive somebody up to seven times. And that just sounds, you know, really, that sounds great. It's really loving, right? I'm going to forgive seven times. And the, the limit at that time by the Jewish rabbis was three times. You only had to forgive three times. So Peter, is he's really going beyond that. And, you know, this is, this is right where we live, right? Uh, when someone comes to us or hurts us, someone does the same thing to us over, you know, one day they do something against us and the next day they turn around and say something or they, they hurt us in some way and then the next day they do it all over again, again and again and again. I don't know if you can identify with that or not. There are these aggravations that happen. There are these irritations that people bring to us. There are, we feel slighted. We feel hurt maybe by something that people do or say. So how many times are we to forgive? Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 490 times. So is he saying, okay, when you get to number 491 now, you, you don't need to forgive? Uh, no, he's not saying that. He's saying it's an unlimited number of times and we don't keep track. Uh, and that, that we don't keep track, right, of the hurts that come against us. Doesn't that just kind of, uh, I don't know how that works on you. And when people hurt you, isn't our reaction, we want to get, get back at them. We want to do something to repay them. And so this teaching just kind of devastates us. Uh, this is what God requires of us, that we are to forgive an unlimited number of times. And I don't know how to do that beyond the amazing grace of God. So Jesus then follows this right up with uh, this uh, parable of the ungrateful servant who refused to forgive. And I'd like to read now, if you would follow in your Bibles, uh, verse 23 through 35. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And he be, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. Verse 35. This is how the, my heavenly Father will treat each one of you unless you forgive your brother from the heart, from your heart. That's quite a story, quite a parable. So here, here you have the, this first servant 
who owed the king 10,000 talents. Does anybody know in, in today's money about how much that is? It's millions of dollars. Uh, it could be, it's estimated, anywhere from 12 million to 1 billion U.S. dollars. So that's, that's a lot of money. I don't know. I would never be able to pay that back. I don't know if you could or not. But it clearly represents an insurmountable, unpayable debt. The key verse, I think, here is verse 25. He was not able to pay. And, and that's us. That's me in this story. We are not able to pay the debt that we owe. Do we, sometimes I wonder, do we really get it? Do I really get it that my sin debt toward God is completely insurmountable? There is no way that I would ever be able to pay that back. And so the master here ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Then verse 26 says, The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, and I will pay back, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Think about that. That, that doesn't make any sense, does it? Makes no sense. Just give me a little bit of time. Give me more time, and I'll, I could pay this immense debt. There's no way that he could ever pay that back. Need, uh, what he does is, he doesn't need more time. He needs mercy. He needs grace. But isn't that what we often do when we think about our, our debt toward God? We think, well, you know, I can work this out. Just give me a little more time or, you know, I'll be a really good person and I'll pay this back. We don't, we can't approach our debt that way. There is no way that we will ever repay that debt. It is only by the mercy and grace and forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ we don't need more time. We need forgiveness. And so verse 27, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. So this is just so incredible that this, can you, have you, can you experience or identify with this experience? You know, just feeling like you have been forgiven of something. That Have you ever been in a situation where you knew you had done something you shouldn't have done? And you're guilty, right? And you just feel guilty. You can't function right. And then that person that you offended comes to you and says, forget it. I forgive you. And the feeling of uh, freedom that, that comes with that when that debt is canceled. But here, this is a tremendous debt that uh, has eternal implications. But what the servant does next now is the point that Jesus is making to us. He has just been forgiven an unpayable, massive debt and he goes out and finds somebody that owes him, says 100 denarii, and he took him by the throat, and he began to choke him, grabbed him, and he demanded, pay me back what you owe me. And it was 100 denarii, roughly, and I don't know, uh, commentators differ about this, but uh, it's roughly equal to 100 days' wages. Uh, so that, that's not really an insignificant amount. However, in comparison to the debt that he was just forgiven, was almost nothing. Someone estimated that it's actually one six hundred thousandths of the debt that he owed his master. Yet he refused to show mercy. And he had this person thrown in, in prison until he could pay the debt. 
I've often wondered, how do you pay a debt if you're in prison? <laughs> uh, the fellow servants then saw, saw this, and they were grieved, and we would be grieved. And they, they came and reported this to the master. And when the master heard this, he was understandably angry. How could a man who had been forgiven so much uh, then turn around and be so unforgiving? How could he have spurned the forgiveness that he had given him? Do we see what, what this is saying, what this means to us uh, when it comes to forgiving others who have, who have hurt us? And there are real hurts in life. We can't deny that. Uh, but can, do we fathom the, the uh, impossible chasm between us and God, that between us and a holy God that our sin has, has created. Think of the, the words of that song, Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. So then the, the master turns around. When he hears what has happened, he, he gives the first servant what he deserved. He gives him justice instead of mercy. Verse 35, in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. Now, verse 35 says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. And again, this, this is serious business. And for those, who, those of us who struggle with forgiveness, and we know some who do, and I struggle with it at times, this puts us in a, a bad spot if we struggle with forgiveness. It's, it's not just a minor thing. It has eternal implications. But here the principle, I think, is, is very clear that any debt that anyone owes me in comparison to the debt that God has forgiven me, it just pales in comparison. If you think about what is the penalty for sin. Think about the penalty for sin. That's eternal hellfire. Can you imagine a, a, a worse penalty? I can't think of anything worse than burning in hell throughout all eternity. Does that penalty, is that penalty justified, we might ask? Does the sin or does the... Uh, Yes, does the sin match the, the punishment? And maybe from our perspective, we would say it's, it's way, too, way too much. But if you think about a holy God and how we have offended a holy God, eternal hell is how he has chosen to address that, uh, his offense, casting uh, sinners into an eternal hell. So if we think about that, how it becomes so much more real to us, I think, the, the amazing grace that God has given us in lifting that penalty from our, from our lives. And instead of that, he has given us the awesome gift of forgiveness and eternal life. There is nothing greater than that. So someone has said that he that cannot forgive others breaks the bridge over which he himself must pass if he would ever reach heaven, for everyone has need to be forgiven. I'd like to just make a few observations about God's call to forgiveness. 
Uh, one, the first one is that forgiveness reflects God's character. When we forgive someone, we reflect the Father's love for us. We reflect his mercy. We reflect his grace. We reflect his forgiveness that we have personally experienced. You know, when someone, you probably know people who have trouble forgiving. And then you ask, well, have they really experienced the forgiveness of God personally? And unless we have experienced God's forgiveness personally, we probably are going to have trouble passing that forgiveness on to others. The standard is always we are to forgive as he has forgiven us. Ephesians 4 verse 32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ just as in Christ God forgave you. So do we remember our spiritual condition, our true spiritual standing before God uh, when he saved us? Think back to when he saved you and me. Do we recall the times that we would have spurned the love of God and we went ahead and did what we knew was wrong? Even then, the Lord reached out to us and he, he drew us back and offered his forgiveness. And that is, that is amazing. There's this chorus that we used to sing, He paid a debt that I could not pay, and I owed a debt that I could not pay, that I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. When we received the love of God, we received his forgiveness he promised that he would remember our sins against us no more, right? He would not hold our sins against us. So when we forgive others, we demonstrate that we remember his forgiveness for us. Second observation is that forgiveness releases us. What is the alternative to forgiveness? The alternative to forgiveness, if you think about the punishment, but even now, in this life, it's, it's bitterness and resentment. Uh, people who refuse to forgive are only hurting themselves. And we you know people who cannot forgive. They can't sleep, perhaps, at night. They, they have ulcers. Their blood pressure goes up. A bitter person remembers what happens, and they re- keep replaying it in their minds. And then they, in, they interpret everything that happens in light of what happened back there. Uh, let's try this experiment. Just, just make a fist uh, and hold it real tight. Just hold it as tight as you can. Just hold it there for a little while. Okay. It doesn't take long for that to get a little uncomfortable, right? You just squeeze that. Just hold it there. And if you were to do that for the rest of the day or all week or for a whole month, what would happen? This something would go wrong in your body, right? You, your body wouldn't, your your hand would not function the way it should. It would become your a sick member of the body. But this is how some people go through life with their with their fists clenched, just in a, a bitter attitude at life. Hebrews twelve fifteen says, "See to it that no one misses the grace of God." And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I've seen too often where bitter roots grow into people's lives and that, 
defiles other people around them. And, and soon you have a bitterness spread throughout that just every, you cannot overcome. But forgiveness then releases us from that bitterness. One of the greatest barriers to effective prayer and spiritual vitality is an unforgiving heart. If we want our prayers to be answered, we need to be able to forgive. D.L. Moody wrote, Unforgiveness keeps people from having power with God more than any other thing. If the root of bitterness springs up in our hearts, our prayers will not be answered. And that is so true, is it not? An unforgiving spirit binds the, the Holy Spirit's work and disrupts our fellowship with God. Another observation about forgiveness is that it produces power. So that's kind of the other side of it. It produces power in the life of the one forgiven. Some people really feel badly toward themselves because of what happened back there. And they, they are debilitated in a sense. They just can't function because they don't feel forgiven. Guilt has a way of doing that. It just robs us of the joy and the power. You know what I'm talking about? We are robbed of joy and power because of unforgiveness. Remember uh, the story of David in the Bible and his sin with Bathsheba. And before he had come to the place of repentance, uh, he wrote these words, Psalm 32, When I kept silent, in other words, I just kept it all in. I didn't get it out there and confess it. My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to the Lord, to you, and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. So Peter, I mean, David, comes to this place of, of repentance. And then Psalm 51, if you look a few psalms later, uh, you have David's confession of sin and his cry for the mercy of God. And I want you to hear the, the change of tone. He says, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. So this is the, this is what the change of, of tone when we experience the forgiveness of God. We are overtaken with joy and, and peace and power is restored. Maybe we need to tell someone, I forgive you. Just go to that person and tell them, I forgive you. And that helps set them free, and it sets us free as well. I was trying to remember, uh, a number, quite a number of years ago, there's a minister in Iowa by the name of David L. Yoder. Some of, how many of you would remember him? Uh, I'm not sure if I have this quite correct, but I remember when this happened. There were four boys who uh, drowned in a farm pond. And I think one, at least one or maybe two of them were his sons. They were just young teenagers, but two of his sons, I believe, drowned in a farm pond. And then a little bit later on, Elsie was helping me remember this, but a little bit later on, he had another son that was struck by a, a driver uh, on a bicycle, and he was killed. Uh, and after this, uh, David said that he really struggled with just bitter feelings toward the driver of that, of that car. 
and he couldn't face this person. But finally he came to the point where he just knew that he needed to address this, and he went to the driver and said, I forgive you. And through that, he found peace. That would be extremely difficult. But I'm sure there are, are others of you who have gone through similar things that are very painful. One of the, th- um, debated whether I should even share this, but um, there was an individual in my life years ago who was actually uh, on the pastoral team here who we worked together well for a number of years and then some things developed that, that really make it, made it difficult and the church here ended up needing to take action and long story short, uh, eventually this individual repented and, and came around and made peace with his family, made peace with the church here. And then later on, the, the funeral was here, and I was asked by the family to have uh, the funeral message. And to me, that just spoke so powerfully of God's amazing grace. And if any of you know the story behind all of that, it was very difficult. And yet, God and his amazing grace brought uh, Henry around, and Henry got saved and confessed uh, and made peace with with God at the end. You know, uh, forgiveness is like the spiritual air that we breathe in from God, and then we breathe out to others. And if that breath is stopped in any way, we're going to suffocate spiritually. You can't survive spiritually with unforgiveness. Now, we could talk about our marriages. Uh, But every married person here this morning could bring up things that we need to forgive, right? That's just how married life is. If you want your marriage to succeed, you have to forgive. Uh, Philip Yancey wrote the book, What's So Amazing About Grace?, And he uh, quotes his wife there, and and she said, I think it's pretty amazing that I forgave you for some of the dastardly things that you did. So some more of you could probably say that, right? You know, we smile about that, but we know that's true. That's right where we live. Uh, How do we know when we've forgiven? Thomas Watson said this, that when have we truly forgiven when we strive against all thoughts of revenge, when we will not do our enemies mischief, but we wish them well, we grieve at their calamities, we pray for and seek reconciliation with them and show ourselves ready on all occasions to relieve them. This is gospel forgiving. Gospel forgiving, you know, that it's really impossible in our own humanity. We, we can't do it in our own strength. Forgiveness has taken place. We know that forgiveness has taken place when we honestly seek the good of the other person. It's when we try to restore that relationship and rather than to avoid it. True forgiveness, however, is realistic. Uh, the act of forgiveness may not restore the relationship. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try, right? 
The person that we forgive may not even know that they need to be forgiven. Maybe they are indifferent to the pain that they have inflicted. But we need to extend forgiveness in spite of that, just as an act of trust in God. We need to forgive because we know it's the right thing to do, not because of the response that we would like to have. We can't wait for the other person to make the first move. Sometimes we sit back and say, oh, I'll just wait for them to say something. You know, Is that the way God treated us? Jesus said, forgive as I have forgiven you, and God is the one who made the first move toward us. We've also heard it said, and maybe we've used these words ourselves, that I'll forgive, but I won't forget it. Uh, and realistically, can we really forget? Uh, Maybe we hold it in our memory, but that doesn't mean that we hold it against that person. God does not remember our sins against us. Does that mean that God really forgot? God is all-knowing. God, God still knows, but he, cho- he chooses not to hold it against us anymore. He sets, it as- he sets aside our punishment. Does forgiveness mean there will be no consequences for sin? Does forgiveness mean that we should just overlook the truth, that we should overlook sin? It doesn't, does not mean that. Uh, there are times when there needs to be consequences and for us to face the consequences of our sin. Does that mean that we need to allow abuse if there is abuse happening anywhere? It doesn't mean we need to allow abuse to happen. We can separate ourselves from that abusive situation, but still offer forgiveness. You can still forgive. I haven't gotten to, and I'm not going to get to this, uh, all of the, the brutal persecution of Christians around the world. Uh, and these, these kind of things just are happening more than, more than ever before talking about turning the other cheek when someone smites us on the one cheek, we are to turn the other cheek, right? And doing good for evil, doing good to those who mistreat us, loving our enemies, blessing those who persecute us, and do, you know, doing good to, to them instead of getting back at them. Well, in the final analysis, uh, forgiveness is an act of faith. By forgiving, I release my right to get even. And I leave the issue of fairness with God. How easily Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, could have cursed those who who persecuted him. He could have sent them to hell. And yet, putting that all aside, he, he uttered the words, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. It's not easy. It's not natural. It's not what we want to do. But we find that when we forgive, we, the prisoner is set free, and that prisoner is, is us. When we forgive rather than strike back, we open the doorway to God's amazing grace. Amazing grace. So I'd like to think about that. What all does that mean in my life? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. Thank you for lifting me out of the miry pit of sin and despair and going to the cross that my sin debt could be paid. I thank you for, for forgiveness, for your mercy, your love, and your grace, and the peace that you bring to our hearts when we, are, when we have given ourselves to you. Help us to extend that same forgiveness now to, to those who hurt us. I pray for every person here this morning. You know what we are dealing with. You know the struggles in our lives. May we have your grace and peace within us and be able to extend your forgiving love to those that we encounter. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your attention this morning. Let's stand for the benediction and can be dismissed. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Go in peace.